0: This podcast may contain adult language and situations, graphic, gory details, and other not-so-nice things. Listener discretion is advised.
1: I'm Ashley. And I'm Lacey. And this is United States of Murder. This week, we're in Montana discussing a deadly affair.
0: Then, we'll talk about a tragic story of star-crossed lovers. So buckle up and join us on this dark and twisted ride through the treasure state.
1: We referenced the film Fatal Attraction a decent amount on this podcast, but considering our topics, that isn't too surprising. If you haven't watched it, let me give you a quick recap. A handsome and successful man, who also happens to be married has an affair while his wife and daughter are out of town. They agree that this is just a little fling and isn't anything serious. Well, let's just say things get messy from there. There's obsession, manipulation, stalking, endless phone calls, a fake pregnancy, and then there's murder. It's a psychological thriller, that's for sure. But do you know what the most unnerving part is? Worse things have happened in real life. So today I'm going to take you to Darby, Montana, which is small and picturesque, and it's in the Bitterroot Mountains of western Montana. It's near the southwestern border of Montana and Idaho along the Continental Divide. The population was only 783 people at the 2020 census, so super small. Have you ever watched that show Yellowstone? No. I know. You know what I'm talking about. I, know I haven't about. seen it either. Everybody loves it. Never seen it. Oh, so many people talk about it, but I've never seen it. So, I know a lot of people do watch it. Uh well, parts of the show were filmed in Darby, Montana. So, for the folks who watch it and know what this means cuz I don't, the Chief Joseph Ranch in Darby, Montana is standing in as the home of John Dutton, who's played by Kevin Costner. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know he was in that show, but I mean, he's I in this. all the Westerns, right? I knew that, but I didn't. And Westerns and baseball. Yes. I'm not
0: complaining.
1: So the couple I'm going to talk about lived in Darby. Their names are Bill and Ann Stout. They got married in the mid-80s, and they were both originally from California. Bill had even lived in Arkansas at one point of his life. <laughs> yeah, your face. He went to high school there. In but- Arkansas? Mm-hmm. Where? So- Not sure where where he went to high school. But he, so they're both from California. Bill goes to Arkansas. He moves to Montana. At some point, Anne moves to Montana and they meet and, you know, get married. So Anne had one son from a previous relationship named Ben. And after she got married to Bill, uh, Bill adopted Ben. So then together they had two sons named Noah and Matthew. They had a good marriage, at least for the first 15 years or so. Better than some people have, I guess. So they were married for 15 years until a tragedy hit. In the year 2000, during winter break, Ben, who was 18 at the time, you know, was home for winter break. He died by suicide on January 11th. Mm -hmm. He was a freshman at the University of Montana and worked at Triple Creek Ranch. I don't know the details of his death. I hate suicide. I know. I found his obituary online, and it said he was a talented entertainer who enjoyed singing, playing the guitar, listening to music, writing poetry, reading, walking through the forest, and making people happy. He had a picture of him holding his guitar, I know. Really sad he was a freshman on winter break. So this, of course, devastated the Stout household. Anne said she dealt with it differently than Bill. She and Bill dealt with it differently than their two sons, Noah and Matthew. Which makes sense. Everyone deals with death differently, and especially something like that. So there was also a lot of blame being tossed around. Some articles said that Bill blamed Anne, but it's like you're either trying to blame someone else or blame yourself. There's, I feel like we see that a lot it's, when children yeah. die. It's, you
0: know, people divorce and mm-hmm. things go south because you, yeah, you're you hurt and you want name. to blame somebody.
1: Exactly. So you, you just, blame
0: each other, the person closest mm-hmm. to you. Yeah, oh, it's just human terrible. nature.
1: It's not saying it's healthy, but it's a way we cope. Regardless, Ben's death took a huge toll on their marriage. They did stay married, though. And in 2004, Bill got a life insurance plan. And in it, there was a clause that said it wouldn't pay out if he died by suicide within a two-year period, Mm -hmm. which is pretty standard. But sometimes it doesn't matter how much time passes. Right. I was kind of surprised it was just two years. Well, this clause ran out in January of 2005, and a few months later, in March of 2005, Bill gets an invitation to an old friend's wedding back in Arkansas in the Fort Smith area. He asked Ann to go with him. She was not into that idea.
0: It was probably an old girlfriend.
1: He decided the trip would be a nice change of pace. He was kind of, it didn't say depressed, but just they're in a rut. They're not happy. There's blank, you know, they're not in a good place. And how long is this after? It's been five years. They've been, it's still like, they're in a funk. They, it's nothing has improved. It's bad. So he's like, you know what? It'll be fun to catch up with old high school buddies. It'll be nice. So he flew down to Arkansas. So before the wedding, there was some type of party or get together and he went out to hang out with his old friends. Well, Bill ran into an old flame Ugh. from high school. Her name was Barbara Miller, and the two dated in high school. It was actually her sister that was getting married. He
0: knew. He knew before he even asked his wife to come down. He knew whose wedding it was, and he knew he used to date her sister.
1: <clears throat> so she claimed she had no idea he was going. He was invited. By her sister, but I'm like, who I guess, so they were in their 50s and stuff. I don't know how old her sister was, but I'm guessing closer to Bill's age. I guess maybe she's, it's 30 plus years have passed, maybe. But still, I'm like, okay, you're you not going to ask your sister if it's okay to invite? You don't,
0: you don't have a sister, I do. And let me tell you, I have two would of them. Would you be
1: mad? No,
0: but you're, it, definitely your sister would have been like, I'm inviting Bobo, the guy you used to date in high school.
1: Yeah, well, I guess her. Maybe she wasn't close to her sister. I don't know. But anyway, I love how you're always the silver just trying lining. To, I'm, I'm trying like, to be no like, trash. It's all trash. <laughs> well, she says she didn't know he was going to be there, and they weren't friends on social media. Anything they had not kept up at all.
0: But her sister did enough to invite him from Montana to her wedding. To be
1: fair, it could have been her who she was marrying. Like, he was the friend, like, he invited him. I don't know the details on any of that. I have no idea. But anyway, they're in their 50s now, you know, so time has passed. So they have a lot to catch up on. I know, you're, you're not happy about this. So they went from telling each other about their lives, just catching up. You know, they started out with the small talk, then they got into the heavy stuff. He started telling her about his son, Ben. She's talked about her life, and he was pretty much he opened up to her, and he said that things have been really terrible since Ben's death, and he and his wife were separated, considering a divorce. He said they had been living in separate areas of the home, like they always say like one that. side. Yeah, it was getting late, and the bar was closing, <sighs> but they did not want to end the conversation. I know, My whole I don't want like cheating. They went back to what I believe was Bill's hotel, based on what I read, and I think you know what happened next. I hate your story. They hooked up. According to friends who saw them at the wedding, the next day, they seemed like an old, new couple. Like they just went back into their, like they were young again. I don't know. The trip was ending. Bill had to return to Montana, but he promised to keep in touch with her, and they were arranging a meetup in Montana in May. So, in a couple of months, they'd see each other again. With his wife? Was she coming? (laughs) No. So, he was talking to Barbara about plans to leave his wife. He was going to just say, you know, it's over. And then he was just giving her the spiel. So, she thought he was separated and getting a divorce, but... Not her fault. Yeah. I'm not... Not I'm not blaming her. Yeah. However. Bill went... She was not married, I will say. Barbara wasn't married. But, yeah, yeah, Bill went back to... Back home in Darby, Montana, and he did keep in close contact with Barbara. They would email each other as a form of communication, like, each day. I'm guessing because it was easier to sneak around than talking. I don't know. But they were planning on her upcoming trip. Bill booked her flight to Montana from Arkansas. He's
0: paying for it? Mm-hmm. I hate this guy.
1: So, something ruined these plans. Someone who was also at the wedding called Anne. To tell her that they saw Bill and Barbara cozied up on the wedding and that they slept together. Good. I'm this person, just so you know. So this was an anonymous woman. No one knew who this was. Wasn't it's Anne's friend. Sister. Anne didn't know anyone there, so they just called and dropped this, this huge bomb. Good. So, well, <laughs> but okay. <laughs> I know the whole story, I guess, but it's like, It makes me think twice about if it's a friend, that's one thing, because you're there to tell them the news and comfort them and help them through something. But I'm saying like an anonymous, if you have no. But you don't, they may
0: not have been anonymous. Maybe they just said they were anonymous because they didn't want to have a dog in the fight. You know what
1: I mean? True. Yeah. Like
0: if I, I mean, I would tell you, but I'm just saying hypothetically, if I saw Sam out with another woman and I just like sent you a message. Mm-hmm. You don't know me, but because I didn't want to. F- that's a good point. You see what yeah. I'm saying?
1: Yeah, that's true. But it's just after I'll, I'll get, I'll circle back to this thought. I can't say anything yet. It just makes me think twice about dropping a bomb and then walk. You know what I mean? There's destruction that follows. Well, it's and you know, good. it's always the
0: messenger that gets the, hated.
1: Yeah. So this messenger never gets hated because we still do not know who did this. Which is
0: probably why they were anonymous. Yeah.
1: So Anne confronted Bill after this phone call and he admitted to the entire thing and apologized. And he's like, okay, let's try to make our marriage work. Let's give it another go. He broke up with Barbara and he told Anne, you know, let's work on their marriage. I don't want a divorce after all. They They never do. They never do. He sent Barbara a breakup email letting her know he was going to fix things with his wife and that he was ending the affair. Barbara was upset by this, obviously, a breakup Dear John email, but so she's thinking he's separated, he's leaving his wife. We're making plans for me to come to Montana. Maybe I'm going to, you know, so she has this whole other thing going on in her head. She was upset by this and then emailed him, begging him to at least talk to her over the phone. That email went ignored. She emailed him more times. All of the emails went ign- were ignored. Everything. It was just like, you know, radio silence on his end after his breakup email. So she was furious and told him that she would still be flying up to Montana in May and would stand outside of his door until he spoke to her. Ah look,
0: she's either.
1: He still ignored this. Could you, you imagine nothing? showing oh. up at your Heck married no. boy, girl? Nope, nope, nope. He ignored it still. He's like, just yeah, did not. Don't give it any. He gave yeah. it nothing. Well, it seemed like Barbara was not going to let this go. <sighs> Anne received a letter in the mail that was addressed to her and Bill. Turns out it was Barbara letting her know that she and Bill were going to be together. They would be together. Letters were sent to their sons, who were teenagers. Oh. Soon after, friends and family members started getting emails from Barbara what a fucking Detailing them about their love life how she was going to move up to montana and be together so the email address was freak of arc as in freak of arkansas at yahoo.com
0: well first of all arkansas is ar so
1: <laughs> good catch yeah you
0: know that's yeah, a good catch you know. oh my god
1: so that's an interesting email Single for a 50 white something female. Yeah. Well, so can you even imagine first you're cheated on, then every one of your friends and family members know you were just cheated on. You she's how humiliating everything's humiliating. So Bill was continuously swearing to everyone, I haven't talked to this woman. Because she's like, we're together. We're still together. I'm coming. And he's like, no, I haven't. I swear I have not communicated with her. You can check my emails. I haven't said a word to her. And she's like still like, we're together. He's saying he's not, but he is. So just emails from random friends and family members. How did she get all these people? Yeah, I know. It's just really wild. So... This went on for months and months, and then things started getting even worse. One day, their vehicle was egged. Mm-mm. I'd be like, come up, come over. We want to sit down and have a talk to you. And I would whoop her ass. Well, they're still not even speaking to her. So another day, the car was covered in what appears to be feces. Perfect. It didn't say if it was human or dog. I don't know. And irrelevant shit. So he called the police and he told them like, hey, we think this is Barbara Miller from Arkansas. And she's been harassing us by email and mail. And surely she's the one that egged our car. And they're just kind of like, are you sure? Do you want to press charge? And they're like, oh, well, we don't know. We just guess. You know what I mean? They're not not sure they want to go ahead with something official So the police don't really investigate. Anyway. Or they might have investigated, but it's kind of like if someone steals your bike, what are they going to do? They're like, okay, we'll put a report in and, you know. But at least there's a record there. Yeah, true, true. They might have made that on the notes it didn't say, but Ann claimed to friends and family that they filed a restraining order against Barbara, but there's no documents proving they ever did. So maybe they just threatened that or said we're gonna and they assumed that they did. I don't know. But so Barbara started emailing them all saying she was pregnant with Bill's baby. (laughs) And that they were going to live a life in Montana and together they were raising this baby. I mean, could you? She's in her 50s and she's acting like she's 18. Yeah. So Bill and Ann's sons... Started hearing taps on their window outside at night. They were both teenagers, but that's terrifying. She just crossed the lawn. Like, don't involve my kids. That's so. Their t- the kids are like, oh my gosh, this yeah. woman is watching. She's us. a loose cannon. I, that's what I would be thinking. So Anne was like, look, I've had it. exact I'm up to here with this. So she's like, I'm going to call Barbara myself and try to reason with her. Bill's probably, like, got his, you know, he's probably like, oh, do what you want. I'm just staying out of it. Things did not go well. And the emails continued. So Anne called Barbara's workplace and said, hey, I want to tell you what's going on. I mean, all these emails are coming. I'm assuming she's at work. So she's using work time to stalk me and my family, blah, 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 and be on the lookout for her. Anne's thought was if she's afraid of losing her job, maybe she'll, like, cut it back or whatever, and leave them alone. Mm -hmm. Well, soon after, one of their potted plants was smashed, and personal belongings inside their home started to go missing. Among (sighs) the items was a credit card, and Bill swore he did not misplace this. It was more than one thing, but that was just one of – he was like, no, I know where I put it. I put it the same place, and it's just – and then the potted plant, no one knows why it was broken. So they're all – terrified so they're thinking she's getting into our home and Mm -hmm. psychologically tormenting us Mm -hmm. so this went on for approximately two years no two years Mm -hmm. so allegedly during this time Anne threatened divorce and then bill put the house up for sale like okay we're gonna get divorced. this is just enough i guess this made her reconsider and she's like you know let's not divorce. Let's just get over this. We've got. She probably said we've gotten through worse. I'm. I'm just speculating. Sure. But anyway, the affair was in March of 2005. So now we're in the summer of 2007. So a little over two years. Can you? I can't. Is even. she still pregnant? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, this is a two-year-old Jeez. fetus. And the ambulances are coming. So. Because I'm about to pass out uh, over here from the story. It only gets worse. Oh my god. So on June 9th of 2007, Anne and Bill had been alone in the house that evening until their younger son returned home around midnight. Bill had plans to go horseback riding with the friend the next day. Around 10 p.m. that night, the friend called him and they chatted about the next day's events like, oh, yeah, we're going to go here and there, whatever. So the next morning, Bill's friend calls him. And Anne answers the phone and she's like, yeah, well, he's not going to be able to make it. He's sick. He's really sick. And he was really excited about this trip, so he must have been feeling really bad. Well, on June 10th, Anne and her youngest son, so this is the next day, Anne and her youngest son drove to Missoula for a shopping trip. And they planned on getting home sometime in the late afternoon. When they returned home, they found Bill in bed with blood. He appeared to have been shot in the back of the head. Oh my gosh! Yeah, Anne called nine one one at approximately four thirty p.m. Bill did not make it. They could tell his body had been moved because of his of the lividity. So where the blood pools after mm-hmm. the ha- heart stops pumping, and there was blood dried on his skin. So the blood lividity and pattern seemed off based on the way he was lying on the bed. So based on the blood, it appeared as though he had been dead for a while and then rolled over Mm -hmm. on the bed. I don't know why, but... And a pillow was partially covering his head, so after the fact. And then there was a comforter covering up some of the bloody bed sheets. There was no gun anywhere near him or in the room at all, so it was pretty apparent to everyone right off the bat. It wasn't suicide. So Anne, Noah, and Matthew all, of course, tell police... Look, this has to be Barbara Miller. There is no one else right that would try to kill him and she's been tormenting our family for years. For years, friends were like, yeah, we've this has been going on for years, the kids, so I mean, everyone's like it's got to be this woman. So the murder weapon was a pistol owned by Bill, but 10 days before his death, he reported that this gun, this pistol holster and ammunition were all missing. <sighs> So that was another thing that, you know, went missing in their house. They searched for the gun in the room, couldn't find it anywhere. They had to obtain a search warrant for the entire home. Finally, they found the gun in a saddlebag of Bill's motorcycle in the garage. Random spot. So the holster of the gun was found in a laundry hamper under washed but still wet clothing. The ammunition was found on top of Bill's gun safe. So the officers on the scene found what appeared to be a laundry load that was never finished. It was wet, smelled strongly of bleach, but it was in the hamper and hadn't been dried. They spoke to neighbors to see if they've seen or heard anything. And a neighbor said a neighbor whose window faced Bill and Ann's house reported seeing lights on the bedroom area in the middle of the night on the ninth, And they just felt like it was a strange time for the lights to be on. Nosy. I don't know. The bullet that killed Bill and the spent shell casing were recovered from the bed where he was found. A spent shell casing from the pistol was found in the yard, and an unfired round was in the chamber of the pistol, accounting for three rounds missing from the ammunition, ammunition box. So they found something interesting in the ammunition box. It was a gin blossom from a bush in their yard. I was like, the C D? <laughs> no, the gin blossom. <laughs> I know I'm like, oh, that's a thing. It's a okay. Obviously. Well, curiously enough, the gin blossoms had bloomed six days after Bill reported the gun missing. So they're like, this that's just weird. Yeah. The gun went missing 10 days ago, and then the now there's it just didn't add up. So authorities spoke with Barbara. And shockingly, she had a rock-solid alibi. She said she was in Arkansas the day Bill was murdered, and she was baffled. She said she has never been to Montana in her entire life. Wait, what? Yeah. So, her ticket to Montana was canceled and was never used. There were no records of her traveling there. And the police are like, okay, well, this is just her telling them this. So, they're like, we need solid evidence. And she just said... Well, which day was this on? Because I work every single day, and it was on a weekend. And so she's like, I was at Walmart that day. Hold on. She went through her purse, pulled out a receipt, and she was at Walmart that day in Van Buren, Arkansas. They got the receipt, receipt, and they saw the time and everything. So they're like, okay, well, this could have been someone else's receipt. It's convenient of you to have this receipt. <clears throat> so they went to the Walmart, and they got a hold of their footage. Sure enough, Barbara's there shopping throughout Walmart and in Van Buren, Arkansas. Mm-hmm. So, not everyone's great at geography, but Arkansas and Montana, we're, we're not close. Not at all. They're not near each other at all. So, they're pretty much in opposite areas of the U.S. I did some Google mapping for exact numbers, and Barbara lived in the Fort Smith area, approximately 16,036 miles away, or 1,636 miles away. And if you drove straight there without stopping, it would take 25 hours. Oh, Jesus. So it's not like it's a, that's a it's multiple not like it's days. Yeah. yeah. No, no, no. Well, and so they went back to Anne and they're like, it wasn't her. And they're all like, no, it was her. It had to have been her. And Anne was like, there's no one else that would have killed Bill. But then she was like, okay, well, after the loss of their son, he's been struggling with mental health issues ever since. So Maybe this was a self-inflicted wound. To the back of his head? Yeah, the police were like, the shot was to the back of his head. The gun was not even in the same room as him. He had no gunshot residue on his hands. That was a huge stretch. They didn't even, they're like, that's impossible. No, we're, but she kept mentioning, mentioning that multiple times. So (gasps) early on during the search, the police found a latex glove in the laundry hamper. That was embedded with gunshot residue on the outside. So whoever shot this gun was wearing this glove and they had DNA on the inside of it. The DNA belonged to Anne Stout. Shut up. They asked Anne about this and she's like, no, there's no way my DNA could have been in this glove. I I did not kill him. Well, during their search, they also found a note in Anne's handwriting in her side drawer with instructions on how to fire a pistol. They asked her about this too, and she said, "Look, this is a guide for my college-aged son to learn how to use the clothes washer. These instructions are how to load laundry, not how to load a gun." I couldn't find a photo of that note, but dang it, I'm like, "What? What were these? What did she write exactly?" Load the Load the, the yeah, like I guess I don't know. I can only imagine. So during the search, they took in the home computer and searched it, and they found a bunch of red flags. Anne's computer showed at least 56 internet searches for topics like how to kill someone, how to poison someone and get away with it, untraceable poison, how to put a person to sleep. And then another one was from a California Supreme Court website explaining how mental defenses work. She said, Bill must have gotten on this computer and searched that for himself. She believed he wanted to look up ways to commit suicide. Well, none of the searches were for suicide. They were specifically about killing another person. And remember that life insurance policy that Bill took out in 2005? Anne was the beneficiary of $500,000 and was the co-owner of their real estate with equity over $500,000. So she would get approximately a million dollars. The evidence does not stop piling up. Investigators searched Anne's work computer and discovered the creation of two email addresses in the name of Barbara Miller. So the Freak of ARK email address, Anne made it. She made that at work. And that's a good catch for me. I didn't even think about it. The state abbreviations, AR. Mm-hmm. Freak of AR is what, if Barbara, I didn't even think of that in the beginning. Well, a lot of people- You think it's ARK, it, yeah. Which,
0: yeah, and it's not.
1: Wouldn't, some people always think Arkansas is- um, Alaska. Yeah, Or AK. It would be, if it was something else, they would have been like, what does that stand for? They wouldn't have even thought about that. But yeah, that's a good catch on your part. So Anne made it. There was also a list of contacts within the email addresses address book. All the emails sent to Bill, to the kids, to the friends, the family. Anne had been sending these pretending to be Barbara for two years. One message was titled, old friends and lovers never go away. And this was from her work computer. So, you know, they have two computers that Ann uses. Ann Marie Stout was arrested on June thirteenth, two 2007 for the alleged homicide of her husband, Bill Stout. So only three days passed before they had more than enough to charge her. And I will say this is a case where investigators had it together. They dotted all the I's, crossed all the T's, in my opinion. So she's arrested and goes to trial. And believe it or not, she chooses to take the stand. She said a bunch of BS that I don't believe, and I'm sure the jury didn't believe either. She kept saying she and Bill had a good, happy life. They had plans to move to Big Fork. They were making plans for vacation and building a new house. And he had been depressed. So she was still at this point, she knew the Barbara thing not going to happen. So she was saying it was suicide. He He was depressed. It had to have been. And it's like, please stop. You've. There's no way. And while she was on the stand, she was asked if she currently was in a romantic sexual relationship. And she said, yes, she was. What? Yep.
0: Well, sorry, but he started it.
1: She said she had a boyfriend that she met at one of her son's Sport banquets the previous year. Not A football, daddy. Couldn't that have been her revenge enough? You know what exactly. I mean? Like, okay, you're also cheating for the past so year. So guess what? Boom. Like, do you have to- You didn't have to kill him. I know. It. So I Oh my gosh. She started crying and talking about how she, Bill was her best friend. They had the best marriage. She loved him. I looked hard at my screen and didn't see any tears on her face. Maybe they were there. But it was like she was making the faces and Whoa, you know, but oh, I geez. was it was a production. Just my take. I'm not saying you know. Anyway, Barbara Miller flew to Montana for the first time in her entire life to be a witness, <laughs> and she talked about her. I mean, it was a one night her brief affair with Bill. Well, I mean, they talked, but you know, you know what I'm saying. So, so wait, she only saw him in person that weekend. So did she send the emails? That went unread? Well, she said, okay, so he sent her the Dear John breakup letter. Uh-huh. And she was angry and hurt. Uh-huh. And she said she did email him back, like, can we at least talk about this? Uh-huh. Yada, yada. And after that, she never called him, contacted him again. So he emailed her and she's like, let's talk. That's it.
0: So all these emails that kept coming, mm-hmm. quote unquote, from her... Were from Anne pretending to be Barbara, but
1: it would have been a different email address. Would he not have noticed that she made two? Well, so it seemed like she was starting to harass him. You know what I mean? Like maybe he'll respond to this. Yeah. So she. Okay, I see what she's saying now. Okay. Yeah. So that makes sense. Like, oh, he's not emailing me here. Yeah. So Barbara said after she got that email, she never bothered him again. And then out of the blue, she started getting calls from Anne. And she said Anne was almost like trying to be her friend in a really strange way and get information on Barbara's life. And Barbara said that she was afraid of Anne. She said she didn't want to just be rude and because she's like, I slept with her husband. I'm not going to be rude to her. So she's like, I was just polite. I answered her questions, didn't leave her alone. And she said that she just kept wanting to know more and more, and she just told her what she knew like look we we just had this weekend fair. I was thinking about going up there. Well, she said that after that, Anne started actually calling her work. she was calling still saying she was harassing him. She returned Anne's phone call and was like, "Look, her affair's over. Please leave me alone." She c- was called into her boss's office, and he's like, "What is going on?" Oh my god! And she's like, "I promise, I'm not having some continued affair. I'm not stalking anybody. This is not true. You can check my my computer. Yeah, I'm not. Ha- I'm I've This not isn't happening." Anything. So yeah. she kept contacting her boss, trying to get her fired from her job. But Anne would still call her a couple of times a year to keep tabs on Barbara. She's can you imagine it's like it's been two years. Why are you it's like let it go. So for two freaking years, Anne was creating these emails, letters. She was the fake stalker. So as for all the letters, they contained Anne's DNA. She somehow got them postmarked from Arkansas, but they proved you could do that online easy enough. Really? Yeah.
0: That's kind of sketchy. Yeah, I agree.
1: I didn't know that, but on the stand, they showed Barbara the letters that Anne wrote. And she's like, look, I've, n- I've never seen these before in my life. As for the pregnancy thing, I've been going through menopause for years and I didn't get pregnant by Bill or anybody else. I've never claimed lately that I've been pregnant. She's like, no, I, I didn't even say that. She's like, I'm 58. Yeah. She's like, well, I don't know her age, but yeah, she's <laughs> like, I'm in, no, I'm not telling no. people I'm, I'm pregnant. So the timeline Anne gave them didn't add up either. She claimed Bill was shot while she was out shopping with her son. She told the police that she cooked dinner for him Saturday night, the 9th, the night before he was supposed to go horseback riding. She cooked steak, potatoes, and broccoli. And they went to bed around 10 p.m. according to her. So his children never saw him the next morning. Anne was the one who told Bill's friend. Like he didn't talk to his friend on the phone either. She's like, he's sick. He can't talk. So she left to go shopping around 8 a.m. with her son the next Sunday, but the autopsy results showed that that didn't add up. The autopsy revealed that the food in Bill's stomach had not been digested yet, and that it was their professional opinion that he was killed before 8 a.m. that Sunday. They thought he was actually killed around 9 p.m. on Saturday night. Yeah. Yeah. That's when their son was gone. He wasn't in the house. And he also said, oh, I never heard a gunshot or anything. He was out of the house at that time. So according to Dr. Craig Kluckman, a gastroenterologist at UCLA Health, it takes between four to six hours for your body to digest food from your stomach to your small intestine. So from there, that's when it enters your large intestine, the colon, for further digestion. So it showed that broccoli, the florets were mostly intact. And that's something that gets digested quickly, uh, vegetables. So it means he was killed not long after he ate dinner. So I watched an episode of Dateline on this case. And Ann's attorney, of course, are going to protect their client. That Keith Morrison asked him about it. And I get it. He's on the defense. But he was like, well, maybe he ate the leftovers for breakfast. And Keith Morrison was like, that's weird, and then he's like, "Well, I, my son eats pizza, and I think that's weird for breakfast." But so here's the thing: it's like, yeah, people might eat leftovers for breakfast, but he, she's claiming he's too sick to to do anything. Do you think he's gonna preheat steak and broccoli at eight a.m.? Maybe yeah. that's what made him sick in the first place. If it were me, I wouldn't be eating what I ate the night before if I was sick. But that's just me. So Anne was forty-two at this time. She was convicted of deliberate homicide. was sentenced to life in prison in June of two thousand and seven. County prosecutors recommended a life sentence without the possibility of parole. They said Anne subjected her husband to two years of public and private humiliation before shooting him, and that she had carefully been planning this out years, yeah, years. Oh, you know, they like, fought like hell that <sighs> those two years. You know, she probably and their kids had to live with that. So they ended up leaving the possibility open for parole, but after she was only after she was psychologically evaluated and completed any recommended mental health treatment. But at the sentencing hearing, Judge Langton said that Anne appeared to suffer from the inability to accept reality, which won't be cured by a few counseling sessions, and that she has a lot of soul searching and mental health work for this rehabilitation to ever be possible in this case. And son, Noah, mother, and brother asked the court to allow her a second chance by retaining the right to ask for parole. Their son, Noah Stout, spoke on the stand and said that's what their father would have wanted. I don't know if that... But anyway, he said, This hearing is for justice for my father. When I think of justice for him, I don't see that as his grandchildren getting to know their grandmother by putting their hand against a piece of bulletproof glass. Anne's mother still believes in her innocence. Anne has never admitted any guilt. She still thinks it was suicide. Well, she still says. Matt and Noah both keep in touch with their mom in prison. Matt's in the military. Noah went to law school, and now he's Anne's attorney of record. Yeah, so that just basically means he's a lawyer who appears in court or receives pleadings and other formal documents on his mother's behalf. He loves his dad, but he loves his mom. I can't imagine how he's felt for all these years, so I'm not judging him at all. He's just trying to see the good in her, and I'm assuming that's what her family's doing, too. Maybe he doesn't want to believe his mom's capable of that. I don't know. It would be really tough to swallow losing your brother, losing your father, losing your mother. So I can see from his perspective, he's like wanting to cling on to, you know, my own take is she's Cold calculating and
0: manipulative. This is the it craziest was, case.
1: Well, so the thing is, it's like, this was I'm not wanting to say like, oh, good for her. But we say that joke about that sometimes. It's never right to murder someone. No, never. But in this situation, this was not a moment of passion or this was instinct. She didn't walk in. No. And what really pisses me off, she's, so she psychologically tortured him for two years, but that's not it. Her kids were involved for two freaking years. They've been embarrassed by – she was the one that caused the social embarrassment. I'm sure all their friends are like, oh, yeah, their their dad is this and that. She was the one tapping on her kid's window in the middle of the night. So she brought her own kids into it. Yeah, that's – What is wrong with you? You don't – like, what's – that's just – that's messed up. That – she crossed the line in a – like, earlier you're like, oh, you brought the kids into it? No. And it's like she she ended up bringing That's, her own kids into it. My mind is blown. How messed up is that? I'm like, why'd you – and I don't know. Anyway, I got most of my information from the court's legal documents, which is probably why this is so long. The Rivali Republic and Dateline. There's also a snapped episode about her, but I didn't watch that because I couldn't find it online for free – but, holy cow, and there's a Dateline episode and called The Box, and Keith Morrison talks to Noah, the son, and he, I mean, you can tell he's sad about his dad and everything, but he wants to believe his mom is a good person, I feel for him in that regard, but I'm, t- ugh. It's a lot. This case was wild.
0: First of all, I've never heard of this case, and I'm super jealous that you found it and I didn't get to cover okay, it. Okay, so I, it was why i've never heard this this is insane if i i'm going to
1: show you a, a mugshot of her after this and when i saw that her face i was like this this woman is so familiar but i couldn't put my finger on why so i must have seen seen or heard about it i don't know but anyway we need a break after that i think yeah um, i don't know I why i didn't find this case last last year <laughs>
0: My mind is blown. I know. I had no, I was not even. I know it's not like even. You're thinking. just assuming
1: it's the 100%. The, the woman he's having an affair with. 100%. It's, you think it's Glenn Close. Exactly. Yeah. Single white female.
0: <sighs> but, <sighs> yeah. I need five. Okay. All right. We'll be back. Finally, it's my turn.
1: Poor listeners. <laughs> they got a drink after listening to me talk for 40 minutes. Oh. <sighs>
0: All right. Here we go.
1: So, Bitterroot
0: Lake Mm. is located in northwest Montana in the small town of Marion. You ever heard of it? No. Me either. It's a quiet place where families go to hike and camp and fish. There are cabins and vacation homes kind of sprinkled along the shoreline. Sounds to me a lot like hot springs, maybe. Yeah. You know, like a little getaway. Sure. So in the summer of 1982, the townspeople noticed there was like a film on top of the water, almost like an oily sheen. And a pilot was actually flying over, and he saw it too, and he called the police. And he told them, that's airplane fuel. Oh, like I don't know if anybody, but that's, that's what that is. But no one had seen or heard anything. So... Rumors started swirling around that there had been a plane that crashed into the lake. And a deputy goes down to the lake to investigate, who also happened to be a pilot. So there's lots of pilots in Montana, apparently. So he found, he finds a gust lock and some ashes from a campfire on the bank. So a gust lock is a metal piece that limits the movement of a control surface while the plane is parked. So, like, you can't move, I guess.
1: Okay. You see what I'm saying? Yeah.
0: I am not a pilot.
1: (laughs) I can't fact check you either.
0: Well, somebody will, I'm sure. He also finds a mic jack from an airplane in the ashes. So, he gathers all this up, goes to the Hmm. local airport, and the gust lock fits a 150 Cessna. So, where was the plane? So, a month earlier in Penticton, Canada... The Royal Mounted Police saw a search and rescue plane out at their airport. They were looking for a plane that had gone missing from Vancouver the night before. It had flown four hours west to Penticton the day before with two teenagers on board. The refueler said that they had spent the day on a blanket beside the plane. So like they flew to the airport, got out, were just kind of hanging out. A local reporter heard about the missing teenagers and decided to do a little investigating on who they were. And she found out that they were Jarek Ambrosek, known as Jerry, 19, and Diane Babcock, who was 18. So Jerry had just started flying solo a year before and wanted to become a commercial pilot. Diane wanted to be a nurse. And the more she dug, the more it came out that this was a Romeo and Juliet situation. Star-crossed lovers who were forbidden to be together by their parents. So they were running away. Oh, wow. So her parents were questioned and they denied this. They said, no, we never told her that she couldn't see him. But they could have just been saying that to try. Yeah. To get him to come home, you know. Yeah. Like, it's fine. Just come home. We don't yeah. care that you guys are together. So, Canadian Search and Rescue had been searching for over a week when a friend of the couple's receives a phone call from Jerry. He's in New York City. He told his friend that they had crashed the plane in a lake in Montana on purpose and that Diane was still inside the plane. He said that he was in shock what? after it crashed And he left the scene and he's basically on the run. Wait, they wanted the plane to crash? Like they were going to crash the plane onto the, or land. Oh, okay. You know, crash it in on the lake and then run away. Like that was their escape. So they kind of wanted to stage. Well, they were, they couldn't land it. So they were like, we're going to land it, crash it on the water, get out. Oh. Swim to shore. And run away together because okay. they were from Canada. Now they're in, a, you know, the U.S. Mm-hmm. So he was on the run. So the friends call the police and they don't believe him. They make him take <sighs> a polygraph because they think he's lying and he passes. And so they said, well, we're going to start recording your phone calls. Sure enough, Jerry calls again. This time he tells him. I'm going to be famous, and they're going to write a book about me someday. What? Yeah. This time, Jerry was in Dallas and using an alias. So I guess he was calling, like, Collect. <sighs> yeah. It's it's the 80s. So he disputed the rumors that it was a Romeo and Juliet situation. Instead, he says, she wanted to go with me because she was in love with me. And I was already going, so it's kind of like she wanted to tag along. He said he wanted to make sure that she was found, so that's why he was calling this friend, so mm-hmm. he want you know I want them to know where she's at, so I'm just calling to let you know have them look there okay. or whatever which wow. yeah, so after this phone call, he just seemed to disappear. no more phone calls so the Royal Mounted Police make a few phone calls and find out in the little town of Marion, Montana. They had a possible plane crash, so they headed to Montana to help with the search. They called in divers who used boats and fish finders to try to locate the plane. So the lake is over 200 feet in some areas. So after a week, nothing. They still haven't found anything. Someone brings in this new device called side scanning sonar, and they get a hit. They lower the camera, and there's the plane. And 250 feet of water, way too far far for the divers. So they have to pull it up a mm-hmm. hundred feet to where the divers can safely reach it. And they find Diane's body inside. Mm-hmm. She was still buckled in her seatbelt in the passenger seat. I mean, the divers were devastated. Like there's yeah. this teenage girl. So they bring the plane up and they notice that her hair is like hanging out of the door. Like it's shut in the door. Uh So they take her body to the morgue and they start investigating. Diane had a broken collarbone, a fractured neck and bruising to her face, all survivable injuries. And it most likely happened on impact. Cause of death was ruled as drowning Investigators found her buckle had flipped over and was against her stomach. Okay. So when the plane hit, it flipped over upside down and her seatbelt flipped over. So, you know, the but the button that you push, like a lap seatbelt. Yeah. Belt, like an airplane. The button that you push is on the outside, uh-huh. right? Yeah. Well, hers was flipped over, so the button was against her stomach. So... She wouldn't have realized this in a in a panic. She's trying to, you know, the plane's sinking. She's trying to get out. Oh, God. But it appeared to investigators that she didn't try. Like, there was no bruising on her fingers, no missing fingernails. So it's like, was she knocked unconscious?
1: You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, that's if they're flipped upside down.
0: Right. I mean, and she has all those injuries to her face yeah. and neck. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's plausible. Yeah. So, the plane was taken to a hangar where it was processed by investigators. They find survival gear, a life raft, disguises, and sleeping bags. So, clearly, the plan was to crash the plane, jump in the life raft, and disguise themselves. Wow. So, at this point, they know who is flying the plane. And now they have this dead girl's body. And he is being charged with negligent homicide. And the manhunt is on, but he seems to have completely disappeared. Jerry had made his way to Dallas, where he met a guy who let him stay with him. He told him how to get a fake ID, go to a cemetery, find an infant that would be about the same age right now. They wouldn't have any dental records or medical records, so he does, Michael Lee Smith, takes that name to the records building, and asks for a birth certificate. Five minutes later, what? he has a new identity. You could not do that these days, so don't would try, hope, people. I would hope but not. But this is 1982. So Golly. he just says, hey, this is my name, this is my date of birth. I, I lost my birth certificate, Can I get a new one. Yeah, no way you'd get away with
1: that shit. How be. would you prove that now? Exactly. That's kind of what I'm thinking, though. Like, what if you lost... There's a house fire. You lose everything. I guess there's some. I don't know. I mean, they're going to have
0: your birth records at
1: yeah, the hospital yeah. or yeah. You're right.
0: I mean, I, would th- I mean, anyways. So Jerry has this new identity. He goes to college. He completes a computer engineering degree and then starts his own software company, where he's making about five hundred thousand dollars a year. In the eighties, he lives in a mansion. What in Texas? Yeah, really. It all starts to unravel when he decides to do a little online dating. I'm telling you, online dating oh takes gosh. a lot of people down. Ugh. So he meets this girl named Gina. Okay. He said he was 34 years old. She didn't buy it. She also noticed some other red flags for the stories that he would tell, but she keeps her mouth shut. She never mm-hmm. asks him. So one night they're talking and she just blurts out, what's your real name? It's not Michael Smith. Like, that's just, you know, that sounds like a basic name. And he tells her the truth. He tells her his name. She asks him why he changed it. <laughs> I was like, kind I have a stroke? <laughs> I
1: was like, are you
0: mean right now? <laughs> she asks him why he changed it, and he just ignores her. Doesn't answer her. Okay. She doesn't break up with him. She doesn't Google his name, and all the shit about the plane crash comes out. And him being a wanted man and that he's the longest-running fugitive on America's Most Wanted. Oh, my. Yeah. She still doesn't break up with him, though. <clears throat> he asked her to go Dating's to- hard. Yes. She's like, okay, I can live with this. There's much worse things. <laughs>
1: there is. Well,
0: and he had asked her to go to Japan with him on a business trip, and she was like, I'm, I mean, I'm going to Japan. Oh,
1: <laughs> She's my like,
0: God. it's just somebody's dusty-ass son taking you to Miami. She's like, uh-uh, I'm not. No, we're going to Japan. So they do – Oh, my goodness. She said she was nervous, but she kept her cool.
1: I'm like, bitch. If you're that nervous, you're not flying yeah, to, Japan to Japan with someone.
0: Oh, my gosh. Okay. So, So, finally, she asks him about it, and he first denied it and said he was innocent. Mm-hmm. Then he said, yes, it's true, and gives her the whole sob story about, well, we were running away to be together and yeah. blah, blah, blah. I'm just not ready to turn myself in yet. So, towards the end of the trip, they were fighting because he wasn't paying her enough attention, and they break up. Oh, boy. When they get back to the U.S., she breaks up with him like she wasn't going to already. (laughs) But anyways, so now she calls the police, and she tells them she knows where he's living and his alias. So, by now, it's 2007. Oh, So, this happened in 82. Yes. Yes. Cops show up at his house and question him. And he tells them the story about how the seatbelt was jammed and he tried to get her out, but he couldn't. He is arrested and goes to jail and is placed on suicide watch. Mm -hmm. So his story is they go to the airport in Vancouver and rent the Cessna. They fly to Pentington to hang out. They take off. They fly north to fool everyone before turning around and heading southwest to Montana. Three hours later, they're running on fumes. And so they start to descend towards the lake. The plan was to land on the water. So he slows it down to the plane is like ready to like stall speed. Yeah. Takes off his seatbelt. She kept hers on. And when they hit the water, it was like hitting a fucking brick wall they hit it so hard so they start sinking and he's yelling at her are you okay are you okay he says she tells him yes but i can't get out of my my seatbelt." so when the plane hit it threw him out but he was still by the plane does that make sense he was yelling he was yeah he was yelling he said but he could hear her oh my gosh The plane had flipped upside down, so she is turned all around, terrified and disoriented. He said by the time he figured out where she was and that the plane was flipped over, it had started to sink, taking 18-year-old Diane with it. He panics and swims to shore and waits on her, but she never comes up.
1: Oh, my God. This is like feeding on all my fears. So... Her family
0: doesn't buy this story. Really? And thinks that she was basically kidnapped.
1: Because they're they're still like, no, they were not running away from us. No.
0: We were fine with Her them. parents thought, okay, maybe she wanted to go for a, a plane ride, you yeah. know, and hang out on a Saturday. But not, she would have never left and went to the U.S. and not told us and ran away. But there was a bag with her clothes and stuff in it, so it's like, yeah. you know what I mean. So it's like, I uh,
1: and you can always, I mean, parents, they're may teens not, live a, and she's eighteen, yeah. So they it's live like, a little bit of a yeah. different life than parents are
0: aware uh, in tune of, yeah. yeah, yeah. So they are pushing for a very long prison sentence. Mm. So in May of two thousand seven, after nine months in the county jail, the prosecution cuts a deal. They drop the negligent homicide, but he has to plead guilty to criminal mischief, criminal endangerment, and federal passport charges. He's sentenced to 90 years for each count, but it's suspended. The what? statute of limitations <gasps> has ran out. It was over 30 years.
1: For what they were charging him on? Uh-huh. Oh.
0: Uh-huh. All he had to do was pay back Diane's family for her burial and replace the plane that he had stolen in 1982. And that's it. That's it. Wow. wow. not that crazy? Yeah. It's unbelievable. I'm not saying he murdered that girl. I'm quite sure it was an accident. However... Ugh. You left her... And went on the run. Yeah. And her family didn't know where she was. And you didn't tell anyone. You got a fake name and went on living your life insane. And then wasn't charged with anything. Nothing. I mean, he was charged technically. Technically, but not a, yeah. But (sighs) he did no time and it was all suspended. Yeah. Because statute of limitations had run out.
1: I guess they could have charged him. That I guess they don't know. So he's he's an author now, right? Like he, he wrote a he book. Wrote a book about this. He wrote a book about it. Is he still claiming they were running away together?
0: Yeah. So the book is called "A Tear in My Life: mm. The Brutal Truth," and it's okay. basically it's basically saying how it he and her were in love and they were going to run away and this terrible accident wow. happened and he knew no one would believe him. So he we went on the run and started this new life and yada, yada, yada. Wow. Yeah. I haven't read the book, but I've read some of the reviews and I mean, it's kind of 60, 40, you know, some people are like, this is an eye opener. We shouldn't be the judge and jury. We should, you know, there's two sides. And then other people are like, Man, fuck this dude. He let this 19, 18, 19-year-old girl drown and didn't even tell anyone. Like, you could have, as soon as you got to shore, like, went and got help, called somebody, told them what happened. But you were a coward and you ran.
1: Yeah. I mean, I know there wasn't cell phones there and they were in the middle of nowhere because my immediate thought is run, get help.
0: But there's cabins and houses all along the lake. Yeah, you could so have. Someone, you somebody. I you mean, could have
1: found someone. Not that they could have actually they saved, could have saved her. Saved her, but it's the I don't know. Like I, I would hope someone would try to save me or not just not <sighs> abandon, not leave. I want. I, ooh, I don't know. I, I guess he was young and dumb. I'm not excusing him, but. You're like when you're a teenager, you make really bad decisions sometimes. It's very
0: chappaquiddick like.
1: Yeah, I'm just not that. That's an excuse at no, all. Obviously, no. he had plenty of time to come forward. I Ugh. feel like people panic in these situations
0: and they just run,
1: mm-hmm. and it's like, and then as soon as they do, they're like, it's too late. It's too late. Now I like have to keep running. Yes, yes. Like you hear all the time, someone a hit and run, they fled the scene, they, and sometimes they could have been saved, but they right. look dead. So they're just like, oh my god, I'm going right. to get in trouble. But it's like, then you live with that, and if you're a normal person, quote unquote, you suffer the rest of your life dealing with that guilt, and it eats you alive. And you know, well, and just turn, her- just immediately. I-, I guess I've never had. Would, a, I would feel like you would get. I, I've never like more lean. Accidentally hit right. someone, but I don't know. It's just a lot. Oof. Yeah. So that's heavy.
0: Yeah, never heard of that case either. It's like, what is this? This plane crashes and this guy just like bolts and runs, and I don't know. And he just starts have- his
1: whole life over like it's no big deal. And he's successful and really rich for the yes. 80s. I mean, rich, that's rich for now. Uh, I don't make to say that hello. much money, but just like that's oof. Yeah. Crazy. The parents now are well. They might not be alive anymore. I don't know, but they're probably like, "Oh, really? He's got a book deal, deal now." Yeah, and people are
0: like, "Are they going to make a movie?" Well, they made a Dateline, which is where I got all my intros. That and there was a couple podcasts that you know, covered it, but yeah, and it's it's like I said, it's half the people are like, "Well, he was a kid and he panicked, and it was, and I, and I do believe that it was an accident." Mm-hmm. But you don't get a pass because it was an accident. Yeah. Like, you still should have told somebody. Woof. Woof. Mm-hmm. Anyways. Do the right thing.
1: Tell. <laughs> that's, that's my motto. Like, just, just tell, tell someone. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I get it. It would have been like, you would think, oh, I'm going to jail for murder or for. I stole. I don't know. But still, that's. Well, I guess it's not better because in his case, he's off. He's fine, yeah, Ugh. yeah. He's lived his whole freaking life. It's not the '80s and... anymore, folks. You're not getting away with it. You're not getting away with it. And this guy's just
0: well, he did. He totally. I mean, he spent nine months in the county jail waiting on his trial, and then he was released. Back know. to it. Back to his life. Mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. I know. It's just it's not fair. That poor girl. It's poor not girl's fair. family. Oh God,
1: I can't. Mm-mm. I don't even. That's that's a doozy. Wow. Well, this, this whole episode was a doozy. Yeah. This is thanks for letting me join you. <laughs> I know that's probably the longest case I've covered. I always,
0: I don't know, but every every week, to be fair, um, she's like, oh my god, I think my case is so long, and it's usually not. This time, this
1: time it really, it was. really was. So it, now I'm gonna there, believe her. There was like nothing to cut <laughs> no, out. There that's was the no, like, yeah. Like I'm, I'm glad you didn't cut anything I'm out. Like, I don't know. I'm I'm kind of surprised there's not a movie. Well, I guess there is. Uh, Dateline. <laughs> there is Dateline. <laughs> it's line. basically a movie. We have a new patron. Yay! Her name is Aaliyah K. Oh, from Georgia. From Georgia. Yeah. Hi, Aaliyah. Hi. I messaged her because I didn't want to pronounce it wrong, like I've done in the past. Her, <laughs> you spell it A L E A, which is I've never seen that spelling before. So I'm like, I what do know. you think it could be? I don't know. Oh, Lord. Look, if, if it's not just. <laughs> It's not June. She doesn't <laughs> so I'm like, know. I'm going to ask you, <laughs> but yeah, thank you for joining us. I hope We're you, recording the new we on are tomorrow. recording our new patron episode tomorrow. Oh dear, I'm going to be the long-winded She's one tomorrow. Phew. You we can just, just be sipping kick my little back. spritzer. Oh my gosh, that reminds last week's episode. Uh, okay, I'm I'm editing it, and in the moment, I don't even. I was stone cold sober. I Didn't drink at all the last time we recorded, and I'm saying words like poverty, <laughs> and I said two other words, and we neither of us noticed it. I'm I like, don't pay attention. No, I just say poverty? And I tried to edit it as best as I could. I'm like, I, I hope people know I I know how to say poverty, but <laughs> that's they're like she doesn't know. Poverty. It's fine. I
0: mispronounce yeah. every damn thing.
1: I'm. I was listening to myself. I'm like, oh my god, what's wrong with me? This was I okay? <laughs> was I having some type of mental breakdown during my? <laughs> god.
0: Um. Oh, heavens. we watched Scream. Oh, we did. We went to the theater. So we were both
1: impressed. Two best Scream up. ever. It Two was. thumbs up.
0: Oh, it's the best horror movie I've seen in a long time. It is. And I was a skeptic. I mean, I knew it was going to be like hokey. Yeah, slasher you know film. It's going to be. But it was good.
1: It was no spoilers, but it was Definitely they did a go good job mm-hmm. of callbacks and mm-hmm. it's a smarter. I mean, like it's a smarter scary movie than I remembered. Like we recently rewatched all of them and how they just kind of throw in their references and stuff. And now, as I'm I'm older, I get more of it. You know, like their Five quick stars. little. Whips and stuff. It was so good. Five
0: stars. So good. I would Very say. Very good. Definitely. Go see
1: it. Definitely worth it. The theater experience made it better too. And that's a better theater than I'm used to. Gosh, <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh, this is a really nice. Theater. There's like walls in between seats. I may not get head lice. I'm like, what is happening? I have my little zzzz reclining <laughs> with my popcorn and I'm, no one can sneeze in the back of my hair, which has happened to me a long time ago in Mountain Home. You get with it. <laughs> this this isn't what we had in Mountain Home. <laughs> Little Rocks got it together. Well, <laughs> but anyway, where are we next week? We don't know yet. Do it. We're gonna have to do our wheel of. Can you do it now? Yeah. Do it now. Do it now. Do it. Roll the wheel. Okay. Here we go. Oh my god. <laughs> I don't think they hear this music. Is that wheel? That's the wheel. <laughs> Oh, Washington. Washington? Oh my God,
0: this is it's loud. It's so loud. I feel like I'm on the prizes is right. <laughs> We're staying up in the yeah. in the
1: north. Should we do another one? And just know the next two weeks? Yeah, should we do that? Yeah, do it again. Okay. Blow your drums out. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I, I'm going to turn this down. Okay, Washington. Here we go. Ready? Do it. Washington. Okay. <laughs> it's, no beats. Oh God! Oh, I thought it was going to be Alaska.
0: It's Indiana. Indiana. I was like, we can't
1: keep staying up there. Okay, so wow, Washington State and Indiana. Interesting.
0: We've not done any southern, which is only what is our third episode for season
1: two. I can't believe it. <laughs> it's all up there. And all right. Had Arkansas dashed in it. That piqued my interest. I'm like, ooh, an Arkansas woman. But anyway, did we cover everything? Think so. All right. We will be back next week in Washington State. Bye. Bye.